If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? So let me take Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. And today I have a special guest after, what, two and a half months or so? Yeah, uh, just about. Yeah, two and a half months, I have Andrew Ramondi back on the podcast as we talk NBA. The NBA season's basically upon us right now. Yeah, excited to be back. I'm, I was a little surprised it, it had been that long when I just looked because it felt like we were doing pods for a while. And I think it just also maybe speaks to like how short the NBA off season really is um you know like we kind of wrapped up talking about the off season and then you had like maybe one month of mo- nothing like team usa and a couple other things to kind of like keep you interested and now like preseason starts uh next week yeah, yeah. So. so i'm actually heading out to sf next week uh to visit my brother so i might be trying to get a new game or a game in that uh new stadium over there that um, Golden State built up, and like I was looking up tickets, and it was like ridiculous. Yeah. It was like fifty dollars for th- for like nosebleed seats for a preseason game s- against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So and yeah, how and the start. How much do NBA starters? players even play? And I I don't really remember. I'm guessing maybe they play a little bit in the first one, and then for the most part don't. Like I doubt they play more than twelve minutes per game if they do yeah i mean i was even looking up on Ticketmaster. they were selling tickets to an open practice for really? like 15 dollars. i think i'd rather go to the open practice agreed. than a preseason agreed. game to be but honest i won't you. be there unfortunately yes. but i was just like 50 dollars for i mean yeah that's a little crazy but yeah so we'll see what ends up happening there but yeah it's been a couple months um i've been busy with like all this nfl news and stuff like that soccer's kind of picked back up but i'm i'm really excited about this nba season coming up and um this we're not going to be doing our preview for the season we're actually this is i guess part one before the season starts and then we'll have our i guess now annual um nba winners i get like we're gonna choose our wins pool um kind of ride with them and choose do our draft in the next two weeks or so so we'll do a part one next week um eastern conference and then go part yeah two i would call this like either the end of off season like catch up or like the pre preview yeah this we is just wanted to right, kind of right. get get things going and and hit on some things that have happened since we've been doing podcasts but yes not not to step on what you were saying but excited to do the wins draft i think it'll be way more interesting than uh last year at least in the west i think we probably just got to start we'll probably do the east next we're week doing the just because it's, yep. it's less exciting kind of um but but I think it'll be a much – there's a lot more up in the air, certainly. And like you, you know, I've been enjoying the NFL a lot the first four weeks. But as things have started to ramp up, especially like, you know, I follow a lot of NBA on Twitter, people on Twitter and Media Day and stuff like that. And I've, I've started to get really excited. So looking yeah, forward yeah. to getting into everything. Totally. So I guess the first place we'll start is – give me your just general thoughts on, like, I mean – 
where we last left off, we were kind of just talking about the NBA in general, NBA philosophy. It was pretty much post after, basically after everyone signed and yeah. all the offseason moves were made. Um, and like the natural transition from there was like a pretty quiet period where nothing happens for like a month. Yeah. And then we had this year we had wor- the World Cup. Um not as exciting as soccer, obviously, but I mean, I thought it was intriguing, especially now that we know the results and everything that happened with the U.S. team. What were your thoughts on how they played? I don't, I don't know if you had. There's, there, it's been covered a lot. Yeah, but was it underwhelming to see them finish seventh? Um, in that World Cup, and maybe does it play to some of the continuity that some of the other teams had? Yeah, I'll I'll give it a caveat for a couple things, and then I don't think my take is going to be as hot as other people's necessarily. One, I didn't really watch that much of it. I saw highlights and was keeping tabs on it, but I think I only got up to watch... What was the first elimination game? Brazil or something yeah, like that? I think Brazil, I watched I the Brazil game, yeah. Um, but I didn't see, you know, that initial close call against Turkey and stuff like that. But what I what we learned, I mean, we certainly saw this. I mean, to in case people aren't like huge, you know, basketball heads and like aren't really familiar with what happened during the World Cup, you know, the World the U the national team basically invites all of these players to training camp and then chooses the team from there. And training camp started with pretty much, I don't know if like LeBron ever went, but you had like your Damian Lillards, your James Hardens kind of going going to the camp. And then they all started kind of pulling out one by one. And then the second tiers of players started pulling out. You know, your Bradley Beals, your CJ McCollums. Mm-hmm. And by the end of, by the end of, you know, the team that ended up going was, what Kemba? I'm trying to think of what their starting five was. Kemba Walker, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum was smart starting. No, he was off the bench and he was like in. Who were the other two? Bit. Then I don't remember. Miles Turner was in there, and yeah. then yeah. Joe Harris was getting. Oh some yeah, run. Joe Harris. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe Joe Harris was the three. But anyway, so that just gives you the level of talent. But you know they were arguably still up there in the, at least the top three in terms of overall talent. Um. And a lot of close finishes, a lot of low-scoring efforts, and then they ended up being upset by France in the second round of, of the elimination Yeah, I think it was the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and then they lost whatever their in the, – in the loser's bracket, they lost another game. I forget who yeah, to. Yeah, I don't – Serbia or something yeah. like that. Anyway, so I, I think what it shows really is just this thing of like – that in the inner it's important to remember that the international game is slightly different than the um than the NBA game there are different rules you know goaltending i don't know if the lane rule is still different and yep, the, the is, three yeah. point distance is still different but those are the you know things i always associate with it that it's a different game and it's a different style of game and that greg popovich who was the coach didn't necessarily really have the players to like fit his style necessarily so i think the combination of things to me it just showed that the u.s is at a deficit in the international game when they are unable to just overwhelm teams with talent 
and it's ath- kind of what, and yeah, exactly. Like that. I mean, we've seen there's famously the team that lost in in Greece, and what was that? Was that two thousand eight or? Oh, like that's going the all. Larry Brown team. Yeah, that no, was that was like, two thousand four. I think. I think maybe. that was oh four. Yeah, oh yeah. eight was China, yeah. Beijing. Yes, and that's okay. when redeemed yeah, that was team the redeemed and all. Team. Yeah, yep. I, I had it four years too soon. But you know, there have been USA basketball um, dips in the past. I think there was another World Cup, maybe where they underperformed. I don't quite remember. But you know, I, I yeah, I and. The question that arises and that I'll throw back to you. So basically that's, I think, yeah, that structurally there's something lacking in USA basketball except when they can overwhelm with talent and that our strength is our our talent, not our program and not the continuity that you alerted, right. alluded to earlier, that teams like Spain who ended up winning, winning it. Yeah, and what a year Gasol had. Like yeah. winning that and then winning the when the fi- winning the finals like amazing season for yeah. him. Yes, like. I agree. Very cool. Um but I wanted to kind of throw at back at you like if this is go I guess to a two-parter. The first part of the question is, do you think this is going to be a consistent thing we see with players saving themselves more during especially as we learn more and more about kind of load management and and uh, things of that nature are we going to possibly see this carry over into the olympics i know i think steph curry and dame have already said they're going to play in the olympics maybe we can even set the olympics aside but world cups going forward is this going to be a trend you think continues and if so is there something structurally the us should should do to mitigate that and try and make up the the deficit in other areas you know for example there's been this idea of like this is like a very bill simmonsy attitude but it's just one i can yeah. yeah you know altering the basically yeah i'm trying to or uh, you know i don't think you'll ever truly make it a u23 but kind of changing the culture so that young players it's known that it's a responsibility that you'll play for the national team and then you kind of graduate out of it like that's like a like stepping that. stone like i don't think that's a bad idea Honestly, but I think the overreaction with in terms of like, oh man, the U.S. blew it and all this type of stuff. They didn't, we didn't have our best guys there, and like I think the biggest thing for the audience and people that follow basketball to remember is when the U.S. had their dips in the past, like in '04 with Greece. That's when their best players were there, and I think that speaks a lot to their to the infrastructure of the team. Now, I think this was more about, like, the load management thing has become, like, this huge thing now where a lot of people are, like, okay, they're kind of looking at LeBron and, like, how he sustained his level of success for uh, years and years and years, and they're kind of looking at him as to, like, what is popular and what to do. So they're like, oh, LeBron's sitting in this one out. I don't need to play. And then it kind of just like went on down the line there um, the during the summer and for this World Cup team. I'm not opposed to the U23 idea. I think it's a actually a pretty decent idea to kind of like get, get some of these young kids like invested in the program and kind of have like – certain goals to strive after because i think a lot of times like maybe those guys that were in the second or third tier didn't have those opportunities because you know lebron was definitely going like kd if he was healthy steph all these top tier guys would be going and maybe there was no incentive so maybe there's like 
this added incentive, hey, maybe in three years I'll put, or four years or whatever, I'll be in the World Cup. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I think you could kind of see from the quotes, um, and this is kind of what I was thinking about with Gasol and bringing his name up, and reading some of the quotes after he had won the World Cup in terms of the time commitment it took and, like, how glowingly he spoke about his experience um, with the Spanish national team, even though he basically had no break slash vacation away from the game, basically two, three weeks, um, and that's it. Like, he pretty much went straight from, like, his finals run to training with the Spanish national team, and he was happy about it. And I think with players like that in in commu- and like in countries that don't have a wealth of talent that they could kind of bow out and have like the luxury to do that, I think a lot of these guys feel this type of national pride slash responsibility to s- to show the younger generation, hey, this is really important to us because this is a national like showcase, international showcase that. Um, is really important on the international stage. Yeah, I agree. And you can't really manufacture that in the U.S., I don't think. No, you, you know, can't. Amongst the higher-level players. Like you said, th- you could argue the flip side of what you said about Gasol is that also there's arguably more of a responsibility there. You know what I mean? If you don't play, you're the only guy, so you're really right. screwing, screwing your country over. Exactly. As opposed to, you know, whoever bowing out. And that that's another I, – I kind of wanted to say two things on, on the youth movement idea. Um, at the very least, like, it would make, to me – we were joking with our, our friend Chris Cardone, like me and you were kind of talking, and just he was like, who gives a shit, basically. Right, right, right. Which I think is how a lot of people feel. And, you know, even I – once again, I didn't watch that many of the games, so I guess mm-hmm. you could argue I feel that to some extent. But um, I was going to say just from a watchability excitement standpoint, I would have been more excited to watch a team of, like, De'Aaron Fox and Trey Young and, you know – DeAndre Ayton and whoever, like if you sent out basically your rookies and sophomores, mm-hmm. like I think I would have been more interested to watch that team than this team, despite it having a few players I really like, you know, like Donovan Mitchell. And the other thing I wanted to bring up structurally, you know, so you had a bunch of these teams kind of that have like one really good player and then ev- everyone else is kind of ancillary, like Jokic in Serbia, Gasol in Spain. Greece and Adenokounmpo, although that didn't really work out too well. And then you kind of have these other teams that are more, you know, they have those, like, three rotation NBA guys and then, like, two guys who are pretty good and might have been in the NBA s- at some point. Like, that's kind of your France is, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder what the mo- – an interesting model would kind of be, like – if you had one, and I think people have said this too, but like if one superstar had played with this team, if Harden had played with this team, do you think they would have won the World Cup? It would have been an interest, and it puts more pressure on that superstar. Yep. Or if Dame goes, or if you know Jimmy Butler goes, like a kind of if a kind of a minus level superstar mixed and then having kind of the lesser talent around them would have been interesting because I do think a problem offensively with this team and we can talk about the does this does this does this give you stock down on the Celtics I would argue no that's not really fair just because like 
this wasn't a Brad Stevens team. This was a pop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were running the same stuff that the Celtics are going to run, you know, night in and night out. Um, I think, you know, ha- the lack of se- having a real center hurt them, although you could argue that maybe will hurt the Celtics as well. But offensively, they just didn't have a guy who they were going to necessarily Kemba kind of could do that um and Donovan Mitchell could do that it's unfortunate because I think there's been a kind of this historical record of uh playing for the U.S. national team being a good being a stepping stone for a young superstar player and I think it's unfortunate because maybe a guy like Donovan Mitchell lost it although I don't know I don't know really what his a quote if there's been any interviews where he's talked about his experience if he feels like it's helped him or not would be an interesting question but uh, you know long story short i think would have been intre- i think having one superstar might be necessary just from the sense of like having something to structure your offense around in these international games where everyone's kind of a little bit adrift and trying to figure out the game on the fly right i think that's kind of the like when they're in trouble, when and in an in international play, when like the U.S. were in trouble, it didn't feel like they had the guy that they could kind of throw it to and yeah. just be like, "Get us bucket," and that could have been Harden, that could have been Dame, and I I just kind of yeah, it would have been like n- it would have been e- interesting even to have like Demar Derozan on the team. Like yeah. would have would have been int- would have been interesting. But maybe even guys like Demar kind of thought this is below me. Yeah. Because like in 20 like and it's I'm a tough proposition because if you are that one guy and then you lose, I it's doubt, all on don't you. think there's that much scrutiny on the team honestly, but yeah, like it's kind of like what's my upside? You right, could, right. you could argue. Yeah, because I was just looking up like the rosters for previous FIBA World Cups. Yeah. So 2014 had a decent list of guys like Curry was on this team. Yeah. Clay Thompson, Derrick Rose, Kenneth Fareed, Rudy Gay, DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie was on it, DeMarcus uh, Cousins, Harden, Davis. Okay, yeah. So I like mean they had like legit superstars yes. on this team. And I think that kind of... And and maybe it's because of the change in scheduling of where this was placed because this was held in twenty fourteen, I believe, and I think it I think it was in terms of like trying to change up the cycle and all that type of stuff, and and I maybe I think there's changing attitudes in terms of like I don't think this generation of people or like players really. Like, they remembered the failures of 04, but it didn't really, like, involve them at all. So, and all they've known is winning uh, with this, like, new generation of players, probably since, like, 08 on or so. Like, they've won pretty much everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and it just hasn't, like, hit them where, like, oh, maybe, like, our best players do need to go to kind of win. Yeah. And I also feel like that's why. I can definitely excuse guys like Curry for and Clay or whatever. I, I don't know if Clay was on the – was Curry on the – who was on the tw- – I'm interested now in who was on the – 2010 team? No, who was on the last Olympic team? The la- Okay, so I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, because I feel like it should kind of be a thing of like you play one World Cup, you play one Olympics, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. I can excuse someone who's done that, you know what I mean? But so uh, for guys who haven't – you know, you'd think 
people want to at least cross the Olympics off their list. And that's why I think for Tokyo 2020, you're going to see all of these guys play. But it'll be interesting. I'm kind of more interested in that following World Cup. What? Yeah, if so they, are we just going to kind of be in a cycle where it's like win, 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 everyone kind of stops being involved, you mm. lose, and, and then you just keep that go going? Yeah, yeah. so 2016, but it was Jimmy Butler, KD, DeAndre, Kyle Lowry, Harrison Barnes, DeMar, Kyrie, Clay, Demarcus, Paul George, Draymond, and Carmelo. So that's interesting, though. You Harden's never. Nope. Harden was on the World Cup team, though, but no, right, right. So really, I'm trying to think of the best players now who haven't been on either. I think Dame could theoretically. I think Dame's be the best. probably the best guy. Yeah, and mi- and maybe for him, he just kind of was like. I'm going to play in the Olympics, yeah. and like that's good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I can kind of excuse Dame a little bit more just from a personal perspective. Like, yep. They went to the Western Conference Finals, and he plays literally every game yep. of the regular season. So, Yeah, so I, I kind of think that some of the, I guess, withdrawals was just kind of like, I've been there, done this already. Yeah. Like, why do I need to do this again? It it's time for some of these young guys to kind of step up and do their thing. And I I think this is like the perfect area for them to do this. Um, You don't want this in the Olympics and maybe you get some of the bigger guns like Steph and like um, uh, Dame to kind of step in and take that leadership role next year. Yeah. But um, it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see how Popovich and the Colangelo and Colangelo, who I think they're kind of, they run USA Basketball, what they do to possibly incentivize players to come for future World Cups and right. stuff like that. And it's kind of Although funny. I wonder if Popovich will even go beyond 2020 and Probably his national team obligations. I, I wonder if that that's the case. And, like, it's kind of funny, like, Pop has been there for pretty much, like, every big U.S. failure um, on in in the international scene, I think he was like an assistant on the O four. Was he an assistant under under um, Coach K though? Uh, I think he yes, was. He was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like he was there for like a lot of like all the ups, obviously, but he was definitely there for like yeah. some of the really bad moments in U.S. basketball. So um, it's it's kind of interesting to kind of see like how motivate because there are a lot of reports out that he was super motivated and you um to kind of like prove his worth and with this team and like all the comments that he he said kind of going after like people and yeah he was like our critics are immature yeah yeah whatever it was kind of interesting to kind of hear that um but I mean, it's kind of warranted. Like seventh place isn't like yeah. anything. To I, I write think we home. both agree. You know on what that. I mean? Like yeah. if it was like a loss in the finals yeah. or like even the semis, like yeah. okay. But like seventh place, like that's a little. I mean, kind of have to critique him a little bit on that. But I mean, I feel like this topic's been pretty much exhausted. Like yeah, like not much else to talk about. I'm kind of ex- excited about 2020 to see. Agreed. Like I was saying, do we go to Tokyo 2020 and try and try and <laughs> watch a basketball game? I might go. I might go. But <laughs> Andrew's uh, Andrew's like seafood allergy might prevent him from yeah, going to Japan. But it was I w- have been thinking about it recently, and I'm like, oh, I'll be a year into working. Like, I, it might be an interesting. You know, it's yeah, crossed yeah. my mind. But yeah, know. for sure. So, Andrew, um, what's the next topic you want to talk okay. about? Because I talk, I brought that up. 
is there any what was I mean, I think there's a couple different avenues we can go to, but do you have something that you want to talk about? Yeah, I don't know where I don't because I don't want to go to my the things I kind of have on my mind are slightly more minor kind of just like. In, so if there's any big picture right. stuff think, you think we should hit, I think I'd rather one, do that. First. I think the one obvious big picture thing was kind of along with the NBA offseason. Adam Silver kind of comes down and the league office came down with rule changes oh, for yeah. tampering. And I think that's like the next natural big topic to kind of talk about. For sure. And us being legal scholars mm-hmm. and being fans of the fans of the NBA, what are your general thoughts on kind of like Silver implementing this pretty heavy-handed regulation of of the league basically? Um and I mean, I, I pulled up the article. Yeah, and that's why I kind of wanted to refer. I I know the general idea, but I kind of wanted to refresh my memory as to what he maybe said. So exactly. So the big headline was NBA teams could be fined up to ten million dollars for tampering and up to six million dollars for entering into unauthorized agreements with players. Um, so like that's preceding the the legal tampering period if you know if they're found um with cause to kind of um violate this term they could be fined up to 10 million dollars or up to six million dollars um and it's it's a really interesting like kind of rule that he's putting in place to try to stem a lot of the a lot of the talk and conversation about tampering and how basically all the deals this summer were done by what the first hour of yeah. free agency yeah, like it was wild. Woj was like just firing off Woj bombs left and right and it, we're like how is this even happening and and I think he wanted to address it to kind of deal with the perception of are there rules actually in place in the NBA and kind of um, whether or not he's going to like how heavily he's going to regulate this and how heavily um, he's going to come down with the punishment, especially with that first team that's that is going to be involved in dealing with this. What are your thoughts on like, do you think it's more of a here's a big policy and he's going to go through with the policies and like be be like have heavily regulatory of this policy or is it just kind of like a big show of like his power just to say like all right we're implementing this but we're not gonna like actually implement it i don't think it's a big show of power um i don't think it's a nothing show of power but i do think it'll be interesting to see where he goes with this and like how he fits this into the general direction in which he's taking the league. Like I'm not the first person to say that this is an interesting time in the reign of Adam Silver, especially coming off David Stern, who is seen more as this kind of authoritarian commissioner, whereas Adam Silver is kind of this more, you know, business savvy and kind of, generally seen as more uh, liberal isn't the right word necessarily but kind of player friendly yeah but no also owner friendly too i i don't i don't think he's been seen in what ways has he been not owner friendly i mean the only thing is sterling but that was an obvious thing but i think maybe like 
n- I think he's just not been, as contentious in negotiations. I think he's been kind of the equivalent of like a laissez-faire kind of commissioner mm. in the sense that we're kind of just going to let owners and players operate freely within the sis- the reasonable allowances of the system given that revenue is at all time high you know blah 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 the state of the league is fairly strong etc 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 i mean i i don't think it's remember this is the guy who stepped in and removed sam hinky and replaced him with a calangelo basically mm-hmm. like it's not like he's done absolutely nothing um but and an interesting thing I was listening to this podcast podcast with Woj and um and uh, Brian Windhorst and I thought it was interesting how they were talking about how the way teams operate and the way they interact with the commissioner has changed drastically in part because of the way the commissioner changed but in part in the ways the owners have sh- have changed. You kind of used to have these old school business guys who m- maybe bought their teams for like three hundred thousand dollars, versus <laughs> Which is kind of the and the NBA of of today, where you have kind of more new money. Not completely. You obviously still have like the Dolans and stuff like that, but you have a lot of kind of more new money, self made guys who bought their teams for billions of dollars. And, you know, they're going to think about business and think about the league and think about their relationship with other owners, for example. Um, Windhorse relays this very, very interesting story where the Pacers, when um, they wanted to sign Malcolm Brogdon, their owner, I forget what the name of their owner is, but he's one of the older owners in the league. And he... You know, the Pacers owner basically calls up the Bucks ownership group and says, hey, let's work something out. Like, I don't do business against my partners. And I, do, I don't really see... Which like, is or interesting I don't, to think about. I don't see Steve Ballmer or, you know, Dolan or Mark Cuban operating in that way. Which and is I, like, I, I wonder, think of it as a partnership. And I wonder if right. that ha- kind of influences things to some extent. So I'm once again taking a roundabout kind of answer to your question but to answer your question i think of the the key i think you and i both agree that fines don't really matter that much to these owners for the most part and won't really do much to deter tampering i think the first time someone gets a draft pick taken away will be interesting that's my because those are the things that are on the table that i find interesting suspension of executives Eh, eh, whatever. But avoiding uh, of contracts, which is apparently on the table, is the kind of the one where I don't really see it happening and would be blown away if it happened. But um, but draft pick, uh, um, draft losing draft picks is something that is interesting. And the first team that that happens to would you know is kind of the thing I'm looking out for. Mm-hmm. And what is the action that causes a first a draft, round draft pick, pick to yeah. get taken away. Yeah, it's is it, you know, improper connection with a agent a week early or is it, you know, or v- having something in place, you right, know. Right, right, or like promising a Honestly, contract. because I'm trying to as as I throw that back to you, I'm also wondering as a fan of the NBA, do you care about this at all? As a fan Do you care if there's tampering or not? I, okay, I, I, yeah, it's a multi-layered question, yeah, I guess. Sure. Um, do I care that? 
as a fan, I don't necessarily care that there's tampering in terms of this idea. If you buy into this idea of fairness within the league happening, mm-hmm. then I don't really care because, like, I don't think there's, like, an equal marketplace to have, like, compete for services of guys in terms of, like, trying to acquire them. Um, but in terms of, like, the fairness and, like, the letter of the law type of part, like, I think it's kind of, like, this, I trying to deal with the perception of fairness and if this is a way to make it more fair or make it seem more fair, I think, I think um, Silver has, like, a mandate to kind of go about and do something like this. And, I mean, I guess, like, because we're in law school, maybe it's a little bit more intriguing to us because sure. it deals with some of the legal aspects. And there's, like, a lot of other concerns, like, what type of penalty fits the crime, like, that that you were talking about. Other concerns that, I mean, for us legal dorks, that might be more interesting is, like, some of, like, the conversation like this is where my my brain went was some of the conversations that have to get kept um, yeah because well, i don't know if we did a great job of mentioning this i have this here teams must retain all communications with players and their representatives for one year that includes electronic communications and uh the NBA and any firms it hires will be able to audit up to five randomly selected teams each year. Among other things, an audit will grant the access uh, NBA access to a team's electronic communications. The NBA already has the power to compel a team to turn over records and electronic devices as part of league investigation, um, but they can now do it basically without cause. So that's kind of like the authoritarian, interesting legal question although i don't really find it that interesting because what's the penalty for not complying is the com- or you know right how strict you know what are they really looking at is is kind of an do general managers has to have like two phones now we're gonna enter <laughs> like, like the wire right, like, right. where fucking like neil olshay has a burner flip phone <laughs> that is chucking just the like, williamette yep. river uh-huh. you know i i don't know yeah I, I don't know if it'll get to that extreme but it's just like one of those things where you're like oh okay that's kind of an interesting thing and like God forbid, like one of these conversations gets revealed and kind of maybe see, like if you get to see the nature, like if it if it were ever to get leaked out or something, it, see the nature of these conversations and like how these deals are set up, I think would be really fascinating. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, like I think it was something that Silver had to do to kind of address like the perception of everything. Um, being dealt with this, but does it really matter until a draft pick or something like big, like, I don't know, like, like I don't know, I'm just kind of shooting off the top of my head, but something like uh, salary cap space getting taken yeah. away or something like that where it actually has an impact on the direct product on the court, then I don't really think in the grand scheme of things it really matters. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. We talked about this to some extent on our last podcast when we were kind of just... Because this was an issue. I think we did talk about tampering and ways to stop tampering last time we talked, but it'll be interesting to see in the next collective bargaining agreement or as things go forward, does the NBA take more structural um, 
steps to address this. Like, there's been talk of reversing the order of the draft and free agency. Maybe you relax the times when you the uh, the deadlines or whatever, f- the moratorium for starting to mm-hmm. talk to players. Like, for example, th- this notion of if the, once a player is eliminated, maybe teams can start reaching out to them and things of that nature. I wanted to throw something um, that I heard from this, wi- that I think I heard Windhorst bring up on that podcast, though, and see what you thought about it. It doesn't completely fit into tampering, but it, I think it's an interesting idea in regards to not only tampering, but this like player movement idea that comes up on on the show so much, or player empowerment, compensatory picks, I thought was a really fascinating mm, idea that was brought up. Yeah, the idea of like or if you draft too, yeah. Zion and he le- you know, he le- you have to come up with the criteria. This is where we can put our lawyer brains to work. Does it have to be like if you have a player that signs a max with another team, if you have a player that whatever, but you come up with that criteria and then you get awarded like you have a like co- compensatory draft pick between the first and second round. Right. Kind of like the MLB or the I found uh, that idea extremely interesting and I I am pretty inclined. I I think it's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea just because it takes away the leverage that or that like ticking time bomb aspect of okay, we need to get rid of this guy. We need to trade this guy. We need to trade this guy. Um, it's still there because if the value is great enough, maybe a team will overpay and you'll get you'll get more assets than the compensatory pick that you would end up getting if he just left in free agency. But I think it's a good backstop for the for the team um, feeling like okay, now we don't feel like we're cornered into making a move or strength. You know, like kind of like uh, have our have her hands tied behind her back and kind of forced to make a deal instead um, of just kind of keeping him for for our team. I think it's a great way for it, it definitely gives more more power to the teams to kind of combat this idea of player um, empowerment, which I think Silver is going to have to kind of think about different ways, and I for think sure. this is a great way um, to do it, to kind of you know go against some of that player empowerment i think in general player empowerment's great but it's getting ridiculous when a guy signed a five-year deal or whatever and has like three years left on his deal and is just like all right i'm not playing anymore yeah and if that um without uh cannibalizing the preview it's been interesting as i um as I've listened to started to listen to preview things, I'm surprised more people aren't bringing up Towns as like a candidate for this. Yeah, because he may be like the breaking point. Mm-hmm. I think there's a possibility for that this year. If the T Wolves are are out consistently out of it and things are going south, if he requests a trade with three or four years left on his deal, like that leverage situation you know what i mean we might reach the breaking point where a team just says no and if the team says no that's going to be really interesting yeah and yeah i I just think that compensatory idea slash model is a great way to kind of help um help these teams yeah combat and it's a way it of doing it bit. and it's a way of doing it that's not necessarily anti-player no even. definitely not anti-player either because like 
those players are going to still be able to go to where they want to go. It's just maybe a little bit more of an incentive um, for, you know, these guys to get another pick. And, you know, even the Players Association, I'm thinking about it more and more now. Are they going to really hate it that they have, what, 10 to ten to 15 more extra guys getting drafted into the league? Maybe, maybe not, because the existing players are like, all right, we're losing our jobs. But like some of the new young talent that's coming into the league, it would be really exciting to kind of see uh, that them get drafted and maybe like the development of the G League and all that type of stuff could get really interesting as well. Um, I guess like kind of transitioning on like there's interesting rules like in the G League. They talked about that. So that, that was I like a minor one. Yeah, um, I want that. That's on my list. The G so why don't we rules. knock that out? Yeah, that G. What the free th- throw rule, free right? Thro- yeah. The Can free it, th- you? I'm really interested. We haven't talked about this at all. No. Nope. So why don't you? I'm interested in here. You go first, because I think you might be surprised by my take on it. Uh, or yeah. I'm. It it was interesting. I think it was like. Oh, I think by the, the way, we haven't said it. Yeah. So this G League rule yeah. we're talking about. The one I'm thinking of, maybe there's another no, one. No, no. It's a rule about free throws, basically, mm-hmm. that I think other than the last two minutes of a game, yep. basically it's one for two or one for three. Yeah, so if you get fouled at the three-point line, you're shooting one free throw. And if you and make if you it, it's worth, worth three, three points. points. And if you miss it, you get nothing. And same for, same for two-pointers, obviously, also. Which I find really fascinating, and it just like changes the nature of the game itself. I'm a bit of a traditionalist and like I I don't mind the free throws, but like it's definitely gotten like I think opponents of what I'm saying would be like it's gotten so bad that like the games have slowed down. I would and be interesting like if we were smart. We would look up like what the free throw rate in the NBA is ver- now versus ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's gone up, and I'm assuming the games are longer in general. I, I can try and look that up while you keep talking. Yeah, yeah. So I I think like the one thing that I found really interesting from reading some of the articles and some of the stories coming out about the free throw type of stuff was that it was mostly geared towards I think the average G League game was two hours and six minutes yes. or something. Uh like two that. hours eleven minutes. Two hours and eleven. And I think they were projecting if they were to cut out these added stops of free throws and things like that, it would get right under the two hours, kind of like following this model of um, this model of like having a clean two hour TV time slot. Yeah. And it would work out perfectly for like TV advertising and things like that, kind of like following the model of the you know, the soccer model where it's a clean two hours, like 45-minute halves, and you're done after two hours. And I think that was some of the motivation behind it, shortening games itself, but then also, like, the other side of, like, TV. Yeah, so I wanted to... This this Washington Post article lays it out a little bit, that basically they eliminated certain... They remodeled kind of their timeout system two years ago and it shaved five minutes off the game but then freedom of movement uh has caused free throws to tick up by about two and a half per game Mm. so but i think freedom of movement i think as the years go by 
and players get more and more used to that, there will be yeah. less free throws, but that caused the average game length to tick up a little bit too. So like you said, this it could drastically cut down on game time. So I What's your take on this? I have yeah. a case, I think there's a strong case for it. Okay. Um and I think you're right about the tr- I think at the end of the day this is a really it's kind of like one of those when I think I think Zach Lowe or someone whoever broke the news on Twitter it was universally people seem to absolutely hate it. Yeah. But the interesting thing is it doesn't really fundamentally change the game at all. From a b- when you look at it from a basic math perspective, mm-hmm. the expected value of like or what a free throw is worth. If I'm DeAndre Jordan, let's just say or I'm player X, I shoot 100 free throws. Yep. And they're either and I'm a 50% free throw shooter. Mm-hmm. The amount of points I produce is the same if it's one free throw. I'm sorry, if I shoot 53 free throws worth two or 100 mm-hmm. worth one, the expected value is basically the same, same. B- uh, because, you know, either two are worth one or one is worth two. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And as time goes on, it, it's going to even out over over a course of however many free throws taken. Mm. So you're not really taking, you're not really fundamentally changing the the game i don't think you're fundamentally changing the game in any way because all you're doing is kind of maybe just taking out this extraneous you're taking out this extraneous from a purely mathematical perspective you're taking out these extraneous bits and just kind of getting to the uh, getting to the overall outcome faster Mm -hmm. um will it throw off players a little bit that one for two thing like it'll be that's but that's why it'll be interesting because that th- it's good that they're doing this in the G League because you'll be able to kind of have the data on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's so something I that I'll So I have no problem with it as it stands, really. I'm kind of more interested in it and more optimistic about it than the average person. Does it ever get to the NBA? I mean, if they're doing it in the G League, like the fact that they're doing this in every game, it, it did seem kind of out of nowhere, which I think has will throw people off and... If it's in the G League, it, it seems like they wouldn't do it if they weren't willing to bring it to the NBA. Yeah, but the great thing about that is they're trying it. Yeah. Like in the G League. And yeah. it's like they're trying shit. Like yeah. they're trying that. They're trying the timeout sh- restructuring that you mentioned. They're trying like a lot of different things in the G League, which I can appreciate. And like definitely, you know, like. I think the shot clock rule was kind of implemented in the G League before um, it got implemented in the NBA in terms of, um, you know, the 24-second shot clock. And then once, like... Yeah, the 14-second reset on offensive Exactly. So, like, they kind of showed that and, like, players adjusted to it. It, like, it didn't really change the game that much. It just maybe pushed pace a little bit further. Um, And maybe, like... That's what I like about the NBA in comparison to a sport like baseball because, like, baseball is steeped in its traditions and all that type of stuff, whereas the NBA is kind of like this fun thing where they're willing to try shit, which which I can appreciate. And, like, the fact that it's not like being rolled out in the NBA where I think a lot of people would just be like, what is going on? Where it's in the G League, I think 
that makes a lot of sense yep. to be able to try and experiment and uh, do stuff. A hundred percent agreed, and I'm interested in seeing what the what the data ends up being if they believe that doing that really affects the because if it doesn't affect the outcome of a game and they want to shorten the game, like there's really no reason for them right, not right, right. to bring it up. Exactly. So. All right. So. Any other topics? Yeah, you want to go to my quick hitters? Yeah, How long yeah. have we been going? 45 minutes. Okay, so we'll do 15 minutes of quick hitters. Okay. Um, This is like kind of just like I have a bunch of different things, and we're just going to hit them one by one. It's kind of like, did you see? And just yeah, we'll yeah. get your reaction. The Magic picked up Markel Fultz's... Um, yeah, that was interesting. Fourth year option. What what did you make of that? And just for we can we'll be talking about this when we talk about the magic. I'm sure. Did you see any of the Zapruder like film of him? Yep. Yeah. Playing it all like the what, like really slow motion, just like free beautifully shooting aesthetic, the free throws. Like, yep, yeah, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. Did did you were you surprised by them picking up that option? No, or I wasn't. Did, and do you have any? I wasn't. The only reason why I wasn't surprised, and I think people might be surprised at at face value because of what he's kind of shown on the court. I'm not surprised because they, I don't think they feel like they're going anywhere. And if it's like, we can get 11 million, like we just dumped $11 million onto Markel Fultz and he has the potential of number one pick. I think I take it even if, and they, they traded for him too. Like they invested draft capital and players into this deal, like you need to try and take it and just see what happens. I think, and the fact that he's been in their building for basically six months now, maybe they've sh seen positive signs to kind of warrant that. But I think it's a good roll of the dice just to see. Um, what he has to be honest it pricks up my ear i feel a bit slightly different about it than you i kind of put more emphasis on the i think this means they've seen him in some capacity and at least think he can be a suitable backup i do d i d where i disagree with you is the idea that they don't think they're going anywhere they just signed nikola vucevic to a, a big extension i think they want to be a top five seed in the east this year and possibly when we do our east Next preview week. you're gonna see that like oh it crap gets. they're probably like yeah. in the six to four range mm. so and this i think dj augustine's expiring next year so it i think it's more than a simple roll of the dice because if you lose dj once dj augustine goes away or whatever if you wanted to bring in a starting quality point guard that 12 million dollars is a big deal i think i don't know mm. what jonathan Jonathan Isaac's extension timetable is looking at, but I, I I think it's a little bit more of a role. I think it's a it it's more of a sh it has a vote it, of unless confidence, the yeah, yeah unless Hammond and the their front office is I think it could it's a mistake if they just did it as a roll of the dice is what I'm saying and I hmm. I would think it's it's a little bit more of a vote of confidence given given those two that things. he has like a role carved out in their rotation yeah that they believe thing. he can be effective I mean if my man's and we are. This is a pro Markel Fultz podcast, at least on this. Side no, of me the too. Table. Me too. I want him to be able to succeed. You know that it was so funny. Like the RNBA, like Zapruder film of these free throws. Like some people saying they think the form looks good. Some people saying like it looks like his shoulder. Like he's still not really getting much lift on his shoulder. But I, I would love to see him contribute in the NBA, at least in some way. I don't even think he needs to really be a shooter to do so. But if we get another season of, of the yips and him not playing, 
Yeah. That that is spending twelve million dollars on nothing like a for a team cost, that yeah. wants to make the playoffs, I think is is tough. So mm-hmm. that yeah. that was my take That's on true. that. Um so did you see item number two? Did you see Harden's one legged step back three yeah, against against China? It's whatever. ridiculous. Do you yeah. think that how many over under twenty times does he over under twenty times does he use that move in the NBA season? <laughs> do you I think this is just a like, it's wi- like the point I'm making is do you think this is wild experimentation or do you think that because he has said I'm gonna gradually phase it into my into my game, and I think D'Antoni was like, "Wow, uh, we, <laughs> we don't want him to do that," Ca- yeah. or like gave a more cautious quote. So, do you think this is a real like just uh, whatever? I don't think Go it's with a real way. thing. You don't think it is? No, but like, I mean, there's things that like I wonder if like he gets away with it. Like, I wonder if like the NBA officials kind of like. Is it? Tra- I haven't watched it's it. Not like is it, no, is it's it, not like. Is it any more of a travel than his normal step back? No, it isn't. But I think, I think the shock of just seeing it, the the officials like, what the fuck is like, what <laughs> is that? So <laughs> I'm calling. I'm blowing my whistle. I don't know what that is, but yeah, it's. He's not gonna go to it in big spots, but I could see him just like fucking around and kind of. I'm extraordinarily fat. I put it on that list because I'm just extraordinarily fascinated by the idea that like, if I feel like he wouldn't be doing it if he, what you know what I mean? If he wasn't like practicing it and making it, mm-hmm. and there's kind of that idea of where does that your game have to go from here? Like I've always been fascinated with that with Dame Damian Lillard. He worked on these gigantic 40-footers that he kind of implemented into his game and became slightly famous for this season. And the thing is, Harden, there's this idea of, like, if Harden had another step-back move. move, like, he would kind of be unstoppable. So I, I'm i pretty fascinated with it. And I, if if you were giving me, like, plus 150 odds of, like, over 20, I, I would probably take it. Yeah, if it... Yeah, I'd probably just roll the dice and take it at that point. But like, I I'm just like I think he will. Maybe it would be more like next season. Yeah, the is he doing season. it? But it, if he, it really will be interesting to see if he like actually tries to make this. It's a just real like part of kind of a weird looking. Yeah, thing. and it's I crazy encourage looking. anyone to if you look up, you know, Harden one like step, step yeah, back, yeah. you'll you'll see it. It's pretty. And I agree with you that like the what the fuck is he doing yeah. factor is is definitely like I, there. It's kind of like how did he conceive of it? Well, how did Dirk conceive of his one like yeah, yeah. step but back? It's I don't like, know. Like at least that was like more conventional yeah like, it's more of know. a turnaround yeah. yeah yeah all right so what's number three on Ramondi's rundown um what do you think uh are you do either so there's two bits of injury news that have come back recently paul george might not be ready shoulder. for overnight yep. for opening night with his shoulder and i also found it interesting that like victor oladipo's timetable might be a little bit longer then what was expected? I wanted to. I, I think had, he. I had him up. Um, was it like till January or so? Like All yeah. break or something. Now like it's that? saying this is from the Indianapolis Star, September twenty third. He's not doing any contact. Basically, he's doing war- walking up. Yeah. So he's not expected to make a season season debut before the end of twenty nineteen. Mm. So do either of those bits of news? fundamentally change you know the paul george one i don't think you're gonna say yes no do you 
do you make are you are you nervous about it at all mm, no yeah okay not really fine. me neither yeah. but um, it will be interesting to see especially if he misses extended time if he starts to miss like a month how I that think affects how they use Kawhi how, and how that affects how they use Kawhi will be kind of interesting i i think they'll be pretty conservative with using Kawhi. like even if george isn't back like i think there's going to be nights where Kawhi isn't going to be playing and they're like all right maybe we'll just we'll take just a loss here we'll just kind of like yeah all right guys give it your best yeah, shot yeah will yeah yeah goon squad Go right out exactly there like see what Harold kind of just like yeah. make shit happen yeah i think it's interesting from that perspective but i kind of wanted to bring up the oladipo thing because i've been thinking about it a lot as we start to get can i pick like the pacers to finish like in the top five in the East, Victor Oladipo isn't coming back until 2020. And obvious, this is a knee issue. Unlike the shoulder issue where it's like once it's fixed, it's basically fixed. You know what I mean? There should, Unless you're Markel Fultz, right, there right. shouldn't be a lasting impact there really. Whereas Oladipo's not coming back at 100% immediately. Like I'm, I'm kind of struggling with like how do you project that team if he's not going to be back until 2020? Does it fundamentally... Like they, they were not good once he went out. He, they were not. They were they like 500 or uh, under 500? I think they were slightly under without him. I, I'd so, have to look so it up. So they're like an 8 through 10 seeded team in the East without him pretty much. Possibly, yeah. I mean, they've made some changes. You have Brogdon. You have... Uh, right, right. Why am I forgetting? TJ Warren in there, mm-hmm. you know... If they're going to do the, like, it'll be interesting to see, like, well, do they do more, like, DeMontis Sabonis-centric offense, you know? He's starting this Yeah, this Turner year. had a decent yeah. run this summer. But uh, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of interesting. Like, can you put them in that top East tier? I'm not, I'm not quite sure, given that. Yeah, I mean, with him, I think it changed. Like, they're potentially top four-ish in the East. And then without him, like... I still put them in the playoffs, I think. Yeah. Like, they're probably like seventh or sixth without yeah. them still. So let's do two more. I wanted to go to something not – it's not necessarily NBA-related, but I kind of wanted to get your broad takes on this. Okay. Have you heard this Roquan Smith story for the Bears? No. So Roquan, Roquan Smith is like the – basically a really good linebacker for the for Chicago, Chicago Bears. Right, right. Um, Drafted last year. He's not – he didn't play um, for one week. Um, and it was cited for personal reasons. He was on the sideline. Um, the team said absolutely nothing about it. And the tweet – the one tweet from, like, the beat reporter is that, like, he wasn't acting like himself around the practice – practice facility when i looked it up it just said he's gonna play on sunday i thought this would have been a more interesting story Mm -hmm. as it was um if it if it had gone on for more than a couple weeks but it just had me thinking about like the state of mental health and sports in general Mm. and what i don't know just what do you think and the nba was kind of on the forefront of this with like you had players like kevin love and demar derozan kind mm-hmm. of last year um, yeah. yeah if you were an nba owner like you were running an nba team like how are you thinking about mental health going forward like do you think we're going to eventually do you think we're going to reach a point where like we have players just taking a mental, mental health, health days? days yeah uh i 
I'm not exactly sure how the owners would react to like a guy taking a mental health well, that's day. What, it'll be interesting if we ever have, because you would assume NBA players suffer depression and anxiety and mental health issues at the same rates as you know your average twenty-year-old. Right, right. And I, I really would be interested. To, you know, the other thing that inspired me was this Percy Harvin. This Percy Harvin story the about America, like how he right. smoked Being weed high, yeah. during every game, basically. Yeah, Calvin Johnson came out yeah. and said that. It um, as and well. I wonder, and it just had me thinking about the NBA. And it would be great if the NBA could, like, you know, me and you aren't weed guys, but I'm sure you agree with me that you know, at players, athletes should be able to smoke. Who cares? Weed yeah. should be legal, and athletes should be able to, you know, right, right, use right. whatever they need to. to mm-hmm. But do you think the NBA could be on the kind of forefront when it comes to that stuff? It, it seems it's like just an interesting just, idea. I, I think it just seems like. Uh, Silver would be one of those guys. He pushes the boundaries on a lot of things in terms of being more open to a lot of things. Like we talk about NBA, like and gambling, they were one of like the first leagues to kind of like jump on the bandwagon with that or out of the major four sports. Like you kind of and like having like a legitimate partnership with the NBA and like um, gambling and all. I think it, I forget which company it was, but. They, they're very open to a lot of different things, and like I think the mental health thing I think is a really important conversation to have, and like the changing attitudes around around the league and in society in general are making it I think a lot more acceptable for players to kind of be like something's not right. With yeah, me. And, and that's what I, I. It would be interesting, like even from a performance standpoint. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what if you learn... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you kind of could see... that You'd assume there's a correlation between, like, mental health and, like... How you perform yeah, on the field like, or something like that. It would like be interesting that. if you... there. I know teams have sports psychologists and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. what if you made all of your players, like, go to therapy once every two weeks or whatever? Yeah. It would just be a fascinating kind of idea. Like, I'd be interested to see if there's some team that would kind of... Like, d- pushes the boundary Yeah, that, that would kind of... Because I think we might see that with uh, – I was really interested with this I, this Bill Simmons, Malcolm Gladwell. It was largely insufferable, but <laughs> Gladwell had this interesting point where he was talking about measuring recovery. Uh-huh. Th- maybe this watch that kind of measures where you – after you work out and it tells you when you're fully recovered. Will we have a team at some point that doesn't let their players play? You know what I mean? Unless they're fully recovered. Yeah. And because – the idea I'm kind of really we're we were d- doing very professionally. I'm losing my moorings a little bit. No, this but, is okay. Um, this is on a back to some people recover quicker than others. Mm-hmm. They were talking about this in the context of LeBron. Like his recovery is apparently incredible. Maybe Kawhi Leonard's recovery isn't as good. What if you had? If I'm an NBA team, kind of like I want to start measuring that stuff and like. That would factor into, you know, back-to-backs and stuff like that to pivot to kind of the fit. And I think it just ties into the mental health idea to right. some extent. And, I mean, but I I'm c- interested. To, I really think of that might be your next, like, analytics to some and, extent. And this has been going on for the n- past couple of years where, like, a lot of these, I would say, analytic-driven heavy teams have kind of pushed the bandwagon in terms of, like, wearing mo- health monitors and trackers and, and, and kind of, like... Um, 
diagnosing what these guys have and uh, and tracking like literally every single number they have. And I think there's and this gets into some legal issues that I was kind of actually interested in and like yeah. the legal health aspect of like privacy issues. Well, and that can with, factor like, into the mental health Rokon Swift Smith thing. Right, right. We're saying is it a hit if he's going through some sort of episode like is it a HIPAA violation to right, right. put that on the injury injury report, report without his consent or and whatever then, and then well and then with all these other things like just the physical aspect yeah. with like the gladwell watch thing or whatever it's it's just a fascinating thing of it's almost like bringing in the video game of like 2k20 mm-hmm. to like real life and being like oh the green meter is going down into the yellow into the red like we got to wait till he recovers to kind of put him back in the game um i i think it's gonna be interesting to try to measure out like is this guy's healthy better than this guy's 75 sure yeah or 60 percent like and how they toggle between those and how they work work around those and and this is like one of the things that i was an exercise science major uh before going to law school yeah this is one of the really interesting aspects for me at least in terms of push pushing the analytic stuff onto health and like yeah. how fast you these guys can recover this. Yeah. and like being able to see whether or not these guys can recover at a rate that's health or fast enough uh, where they should be playing back-to-backs. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really interesting concept. I don't know how um, these are being quantified necessarily, and I, I'd be really interesting, interested to see, like, how, like, maybe they quantify 100% healthy is and whether or not recovering is, like, basically returning back to normal heart rate and like resting heart rate all this type of stuff um i'm just curious to see like what makes a person like like and and i think this gets into like some of the Kawhi stuff last year like some medical people were like you're completely fine um physically you're completely fine but then how you feel how does that manifest itself in terms of how you feel yeah. um, physically? Totally. Because like you can be physically fine, but maybe something's going on in your head, and ma- and maybe that's kind of having a s- uh, playing out a symptom um, in your body where you're like, no, I don't feel a hundred percent like I did before. Exactly. So it, it kind of gets into a lot of really interesting issues. For sure. Um, and with that, I w- had we can close on this. How many wins are you adding to the Miami Heat in your projections now that Jimmy Butler is coming to the practice facility at 3.30 a.m.? Half of a, half a game? Did you see? It's the <laughs> ultimate Jimmy Butler thing. A Jimmy like a Butler. meaningless, stupid fucking gesture that does really nothing but shows on the superficial level how... Like he's like in real... You know how like someone like who like on Instagram, you know what I mean? Like, or something like a social media try hard. Okay. This like gets he is like that in real life, but for basketball. Okay. So this gets into one of the more serious. So I had like two more things. Okay. And while this, we're dragging this on and on along with that. And okay. I think you're trying to poke fun at Butler, which is like, that was kind of ridiculous. What are your thoughts on workout culture? Because like, oh well, I'm on. You know, Damian Lillard is the has skewered that. Yeah, where where these guys are posting on Instagram, like 
this is how we work. And like it's like these montages it's fine. of like I, and I jump. I get cuts. it. Like yeah. do your th- like to me it's just like do you okay as long as you're not like super hyping yourself up. Damian Lillard, that's oh fuck, we didn't do my Damian Lillard rap take. I really didn't want this podcast to go on for <laughs> an hour and a half, but um but he skewered it and if if you look up he has this video where like he's doing this workout and like his his trainer shooting with a nerf gun and he's doing all this and was yeah, kind of yeah. lampooning these workout videos go for it i think at the end of the day players are human beings who want to be validated too and it just boils down to that but does it make me feel any better if i see a workout video versus not for some player no, no. of course not. yeah, yeah. and I, th- I, th- not. I think it's kind of funny how it's getting bled into like the youth now where like you'll see see like kids like talk like making their instagram stories and doing like their work and do like they're like i'm putting in my work and like they're like doing like some ridiculous drill that has no like no connection to basketball at all yeah and you're just like okay yeah (laughs) a funny capper to the jimmy butler thing is um myers leonard and bam Adebayo (laughs) apparently showed up at the facility 330 today and it just made me think i love myers leonard (laughs) as a guy but i'm just like jimmy butler is going to fucking destroy this guy like he's just like notoriously like kind of fragile confidence and stuff like that like i'm afraid jimmy butler is going to ruin myers leonard i'm 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 afraid for that it's like the first unwarranted three that myers leonard takes is like yeah that exactly just be like or like when he fucks up on defense which he will do a lot yeah yeah so, yeah, so that's pretty bad all right um before we get to the dame take okay i have one more thing and then we'll get to dame uh dame's rap career all right. The last thing I did want to touch about was not even NBA guys, but guys that are potentially coming into the draft. Lamelo. There was like oh, a story sure. like a week back or something. Yeah. Lamelo, RJ Hampton as well. Yeah. Uh, who is like a highly rated recruit coming out of high school ended up choosing to go to Australia, um, for I don't know, like to play it to play professionally before they make the jump into the NBA. And now there's a lot of talk about can LaMelo be the number one pick? Yeah. Like they ran this huge story on like ESPN, I believe Um, talking about this. I think Jonathan Gavoni kind of talked about it on, on ESPN plus and all that (laughs) type of stuff. Um, Like, is he good? I don't or, know. Like, I don't know if he's good, but like, I was watching some of the highlights and people were like hyping him up. And then I looked at the scores of the games and his some of the games his team was getting. Like, if you looked at like the score in the bottom right corner of some of the games that he was like looking impressive in, they were getting blown out by forty points. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that means, but and and I guess it's kind of hard to like take away the individual performance from what it means to to the team's like yeah, performance but, that, but like w- w- Ben Simmons's teams were getting blown out a lot too and, you and know LSU. so uh, i think it's kind of like an interesting i i do get where you're coming from because i think it's an interesting mix the way i kind of see it is like as we enter this post Luka Doncic world where not that LaMelo Ball's an international player but we're maybe international prospects like we finally reached a point where there's not as much of a Stere- or like stereotype yeah, that or they like don't stigma. get automatically right. knocked to two notches like it'll be interesting to see how that how d- NBA teams evaluation of 
key players in those leagues possibly changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, at, because you're right, the impetus is on the NBA team to kind of figure that out to separate the the player from the performance. But I think that's always been the case. But what I think the the point you're somewhat we're making, which I think is true, is like you had those guys like Luka Doncic and whatever. Generally, you think of these high level players who aren't playing in college as like these winners and guys with pedigree. So it'll be interesting to see at LaMelo Ball as possibly uh, the other side of that as Mm -hmm. the guy. Is he just a chucker? You know, part of that could be his stigma from those early Twitter videos. I have read that like he's apparently playing a little bit more efficiently, trying harder on defense, et cetera, et cetera. It's unfortunate. Like you got to give the guy. I kind of feel bad for the kid to some extent. It's not really his fault that there was such a amount of scrutiny on him from such a such an early age. But uh, yeah, is he good? I don't know. I haven't really watched yeah, that yeah. much footage of him. But you're right. I think it does pose an interesting question from a, from a scouting perspective that we'll we'll see answered sooner rather right, than right. later. Exactly. All right. So Dame's rap career. Oh yeah. So you were asking me or something. We were talking about like this Shaq him dissing Shaq or whatever. Yeah. And I told you I had this like contrarian hot take on which it. I needed to hear before we left the podcast. Obviously. Yes. So I am for Dame's rap career. Let me say I think NBA players the idea that an NBA player needs to only be singularly focused on basketball is I think it's absurd. I think, you know, as long as they're putting in work and Dame's career has improved in a linear way as much as any NBA player mm-hmm. of this era, you know, do you, whatever. Right. Um, I have no problem with that. But you were just, I forget, I, I kind of want to look at well, what, what, I was ha- like, what you said to me because... Yeah, no, I thought it was an interesting. Yeah, we we've been talking about wow, wow, we've been texting about a lot of different stuff recently. Whatever, I can't find. Well, it. well, you texted me. You're like, I have a hot take on this. Oh like, yeah, you just texted me maybe the Dame rap disc or whatever. Yeah. So, Dame basketball Dame. I'm fine with Dame's rap career. Is his music is fine? Like he he's probably the best NBA rapper ever, but I never listened to his music. Like what does that mean on a right. Spotify playlist? You know what I mean? I think he's amateurish to some extent. Uh-huh. Right? Whatever. Sorry, man. That's not my hot take. My just hot take is like that. His rap career and like how he talks about it on Twitter and stuff like that is like my least favorite part of his persona. Like Dame the rapper. Versus Dame, the basketball player. Dame, the basketball player, is, like, supremely confident. Like, he's quiet, understated, cool, et cetera. Cool, c- yeah. Calm, understated. Yeah. And I don't care about someone being braggadocious or whatever. Right. Dame, the rapper, strikes me as a little insecure, honestly. And it bothers me slightly. Like, he... You know when, uh-huh. a, when a... Like, Chance, the rapper, did this after he released his last shitty yep. album. Yeah. And then, like, he re- when a rapper or, like, a celebrity retweets a lot of compliments of them, mm-hmm. that is always, like, a sign of insecurity to me. And, like, Dane does that with his rap career. Like, he's constantly responding on pe- to people on Twitter who were, like, to get back in the gym being, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, I, you know, like, it just, like, I'm fine with it. Like, it doesn't. I have, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make me think any lesser of him, but it's just a little bit weird to me. Like, and it makes me feel a little <laughs> bit uncomfortable <laughs> because it it just exposes, like, a different side of his... Pr- 
once again, like that it just seems realize. like yeah, and I'm fine with that, and I'm fine with my players being real people. But it's just kind of an interesting. There's something about it that I find slightly like insecure in a way that that d- I don't really see from him as a basketball player. Yeah, and maybe it's one of those things. Like as a basketball player, he's always been like fairly talented yeah. and all this type of That's stuff. That's true. And, and like it could be that kind of argument of like being doubted as a basketball player mm-hmm. has worked as like incredible motivation. Like, yeah, but he's also really, really good at basketball. Yep. And as a rapper, he's applying that same being doubted. I'm going to show you mindset, but like, he's not as good at rapping. Like, I don't think he's bad right. and I have no problem with it, but him not. Yeah. There's like a weird dis. I think that's kind of what I was hitting at. Like there's a dissonance there that like mm. I is weird to me. So yeah, that's my that's my Damian Lillard. Interesting. Yeah. Got it. I didn't expect that because I just thought you would be bleeding for Dame. Yeah, no. no. Oh, what. and believe me, I love Dame. He's Yeah, yeah. I I love the, you know what I mean? Like I love Dame. I love everything about Dame. It's cool the rat, the the Shaq diss is very funny and well no, it written is funny. Yeah, yeah. and good, like well executed. And that's not the problem I have. It's the like Stuff that goes along with along. it that bothers Got me it. a little bit. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah. Andrew, thanks again. Yeah, man, this was fun. Um, excited to keep going with this stuff. Get back into doing podcasts on a on a semi regular basis, and looking forward to previewing the NBA kind of on a team by team perspective. Yep. So the next two weeks, guys, we will have the Eastern Conference preview next week, and then the Western Conference in two weeks. And then the NBA season is going to start, like, in three weeks. It's, I think it starts, like, October 23rd or yeah. 24th or something like yes. that. So it starts really, really soon. So be on the lookout for those two preview podcasts upcoming with Andrew. Um, yeah, and maybe I can repeat as uh, as the wins draft. Uh, we haven't. I kind of, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it on the pod next time. Okay, sounds great. So, Andrew, thanks again for coming on to the podcast and guys if you haven't subscribed yet please subscribe and like the podcast so guys see you next week